My name is James Barkley and I'm the current president of the Charlottesville Albemarle Bar Association and I have to say at a deeply personal level that it's an honor and a privilege to be here today and my first public act is president of the local bar association. I'm humbled by the purpose that draws us here today. I'm humbled by the people that are in the room that have made this possible and I look forward to sharing this experience with everybody here. And I want to add, again, at somewhat a personal level, that I think it's particularly timely that so many people from so many different backgrounds have come together, together to celebrate such a positive historical moment in our community. Uh, what happened in 1950 in this courtroom uh, was exceedingly important, not just to the African American community, but to the entire community and to the entire Commonwealth. <clears throat> and I think in today's environment, with all that's happening locally and nationally, it's important to say there are a lot of really good things going on too, so I'm, I'm pleased to be here. Uh, I will be uh, introducing without any extra comment the various speakers who are going to address us today. And the first is Jordan McKay, who is a member of the Charlottesville Almar Bar Association Diversity Committee. Thank you, James. My name is Jordan McKay. I'm an associate at Mickey Hamlet here in Charlottesville, and I'm also a member of the Charlottesville Albemarle Bar Association CABA Diversity Committee. The Diversity Committee was formulated earlier this year with the sole purpose of developing and implementing programs to increase diversity in the Charlottesville Albemarle legal community. CABA recognizes that diversity is extremely important in any profession and the legal profession is no exception. And I believe that a part of the reason for Mr. Swanson's fight to integrate the law school at UVA was a recognition of this simple fact, that a diverse legal community shapes the law of the community that best reflects the voice of that community. And with a diverse legal community, that voice will not be one of oppression, but will be one of inclusion and justice. On behalf of the Kaaba Diversity Committee, I'd like to thank you for coming to this event honoring Mr. Swanson's sacrifice. I know as an African-American male who grew up not too far from Danville, Virginia, and who came to Charlottesville to attend the University of Virginia School of Law, I am personally forever grateful for his sacrifice and the countless sacrifice of others. Thank you. To invite John Halliday up, who's the executive director of the Jefferson Madison Regional Library. Thank, Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you very much. My name is John Halliday. I'm the director of the Jefferson Madison Regional Library, and on behalf of the library, I want to welcome you all here today. Uh, this is a, a great event. Um, and we're just so pleased to have you here. I'm also happy to say that we have several members of the City Council and the Albemarle County Board of Supervisors here today. So maybe they would like to raise their hands just so people can see. That who they are, and it's great. It's great. It's great to have you all here. Um, and also, on behalf of the library, I want to thank the Bar Association for arranging this uh, ceremony today, and for providing the beautiful plaque that we're going to be dedicating in just just a little while. You know, um, public libraries are busy places these days, especially in the summertime. June and July are our busiest months. Uh, in this room, this beautiful McIntyre room, which used to be the courtroom 
is now uh, the place where we have story programs for preschoolers, uh, lectures and films for adults. We have uh, gaming programs for teenagers. Just earlier today, we had a bird of prey uh, uh, program in here where you're sitting. There were owls and things uh, here. So there's a lot going on here, and uh, which is great. Literally thousands of people pass through this room every year. And following uh, the unveiling of this plaque today, everyone who comes to this room will know what an important historic site this is. This is really the place where one of the most important um, events in, in Virginia's history took place. Right here where you're sitting is where Thurgood Marshall and the rest of the NAACP uh, team and, and, um, and Mr. Swanson you know, uh, presented their case and where finally uh, justice uh, was done. So this is a very important site that we're in today, and I'm glad that all of the people, young and old, who come through here in the future will know that this is an important place. So thank you for being here today. And, uh, and oh, and I also want to mention that um, James Hingley uh, managed to get the case uh, papers from the Swanson case. And we have them now at the library, copies of them. Peg O'Brien, um, here from the Historical Library, which is right next door, um, actually has the papers with her today in that notebook. Um, and, but if you want to see them today, you're welcome to. We also have a display with some samples of the uh, case papers downstairs. Um, but in the future, the, the papers will be available at the Historical Society Library right next door. So thank you very much for being here today. call on Jim Hensley, but before Jim stands up, I want to say uh, this past year I served as the president-elect of the Bar Association, and the work that Jim put in, he's probably too humble to, to direct credit to himself, the work he put in was unbelievable to make this happen. It was supported fully by the board and under the leadership of Lewis Martin, who frankly, had this been last month, would have been up here and I would have been out in the seats, and Lewis deserves also a ton of credit for making this happen. So Jim is a member of the, the board of the Bar Association. He's a member of the Swanson Committee. He's much beloved locally for all he's done, and he has his own personal history in this room he may share with you in just a few minutes. Come on up, Jim. Well, thank you very much. It's exciting to be here today. And, and I do have personal history. And, and what we're doing with this plaque is, uh, is remembering our history, our community's history and um, the important things that happened in this courtroom. So the first thing that I just want to emphasize is this was a courtroom. We're, where we are right now was a federal courtroom, the United States District Court for the Western District of Virginia. And you can look around you and you can see the, the decorations and the style of the room and know that this was a courtroom. Right here on this dais was where the judge's bench was located. And if you, if you go around the library, uh, coming and going to events here, down that way, there's a staircase. Uh, and the staircase ends in the children's department now of the library. But at the top of the staircase was the clerk's office for the United States District Court. There's two meeting rooms across the hallway here. Uh, those were jury rooms in the day. And this door here that leads back into the administrative offices, including John Halliday's uh, office uh, in the library. Those were the judges' chambers, and there was a, um, uh, there was a law library that the judges uh, had uh, for their reference, which they allowed local lawyers to come and use. So this was a, this was a center uh, of activity for the local bar, and I'd, I'd um, like 
to uh, have that remembered, and that's part of the dedication of this plaque today, is that this served as a functioning uh, courtroom. In addition, uh, as, as many of you would appreciate and understand, this was a federal building, and it was a very typical federal building for its time. Downstairs was the post office. Upstairs was the federal court, and there were some other associated federal offices. So it was a very typical um, uh, type of, of building for a community the size of Charlottesville. I myself did practice law in this court. I had cases with the, with the federal district court, and so I do remember that, although my memory is growing dim somewhat. Uh, that was many, many years ago um, in the late 1970s when I was just starting out as a lawyer. So I do have a lot of recollection of this of this space. Uh, the other thing that I'm going to ask you to think about when you think about what we're uh, commemorating here today is lawyers. And of course, the Charlottesville Albemarle Bar Association is uh, sponsoring this event and, and sponsoring and commissioning the plaque. So what, what more appropriate thing for, for a lawyers association to, to do than to think about lawyers? So who were the lawyers that were involved in this case? Well, number one, uh, Gregory Swanson. Gregory Swanson was a lawyer. He was a practicing lawyer when he applied for admission to the University of Virginia Law School. He applied to the graduate program for, for law graduates. So he was a lawyer, and, um, and his application to the University of Virginia was part of a coordinated strategy um, that was being pursued in the late 40s, early 50s, uh, to break down the color barriers that existed in various institutions, including then, of course, the University of Virginia. So he was selected out, and he did make a sacrifice to go through what he went through to uh, petition for his admission and uh, ultimately to be granted admission. And then he had a very difficult time at the law school, but uh, nonetheless, he was the one that made it happen. He was the one that, that broke the color barrier at University of Virginia. He was the first... Um, uh, African-American to attend the University of Virginia. So um, he himself was a lawyer. Then, then remember his team of lawyers. Uh, Thurgood Marshall, Oliver Hill, who's just a towering lawyer uh, nationally, but especially in Virginia. He was a lawyer uh, in uh, Richmond. And so he was involved in this case, Spotswood Robinson, and there were others. But they were all part of the NAACP um, group that was plotting the strategy to break down the the color barriers through the in, in the different institutions uh, of our communities. And ultimately, this decision, the Swanson case, was a decision that was one step along the road toward Brown versus Board of Education, which, as you know, was in 1954. Um, another group of lawyers who are really, I think, the unsung heroes here, the law school faculty. The law school faculty unanimously supported Gregory Swanson's ad application for admission to the University of Virginia. So they were, they were strongly in support of uh, having Gregory Swanson be admitted uh, to study at the University of Virginia Law School. One of the leaders of the law school faculty at the time, Mortimer Kaplan, was another first, if you will. He was the first Jewish professor at the law school. And he was one of the leaders of the law school faculty in their efforts to express support for Gregory Swanson's admission. 
And I think it's a, this occasion is made all the more memorable because yesterday was Mortimer Kaplan's 100th birthday. And so he is um, he's still going, and, um, and he could not be here for this, but, but I know that, uh, that um, he would appreciate it for you all to, to remember the role, the crucial role that he played in this, uh, in this case. Also, later on, he became the Commissioner of the Revenue, um, Internal Revenue, and he was appointed by John F. Kennedy and Gregory Swanson worked uh, under Mortimer Kaplan at the, uh, at the Commissioner of the Revenue's office. So, um, the judges, all lawyers, the judges, there was a three-judge panel that made this decision, and they were um, um, lawyers that we want to remember as well. And last, um, I think, I hope I'm not leaving anybody out, but last, there were lawyers for the Board of Visitors. The Board of Visitors was the respondent in this case. The Board of Visitors opposed the admission of Gregory Swanson to the law school. And so, um, nonetheless, they're an important group to remember. And I think that the thing that's really important about the uh, opponents of Gregory Swanson's admission is that that's how our system works. That's what gave the decision the legitimacy that it had was that it was the, the issues were aired in front of a court and they were aired with lawyers on both sides articulating the positions that they had. Um, and so that gave great confidence, uh, I think, to the community when the decision was, was rendered. And so this was a, ultimately, I think, a, a triumph of the rule of law in our community. It's an enormously important um, historical event that occurred here in Charlottesville, here in this very room where we are now. And um, so we at the Bar Association are very pleased to have, have um, the opportunity to memorialize all that with this plaque and, uh, and remembering both the courthouse uh, where this took place and remembering the important lawyers that uh, took part in this decision. So thank you. So I have the distinct privilege now of uh, introducing Dean Risa Golubov uh, with my best effort at the pronunciation. She promised that would be sufficient with my southern accent. Uh, she and I were comparing notes, and I think she's been on the job two days longer than I have. So, uh, although a long-time faculty member at the University of Virginia Law School. So, Dean, Thank welcome. You. Thank you. Uh, thank you all for coming, and thank you to Jim and to the Bar Association and uh, Evans Hopkins and everyone who made this event possible and this historical marker possible. Um, I am, in fact, on my 12th day as dean, and this is my first public event as well, and, uh, and I'm glad because it's a really important event. And I stand here wearing my law dean hat, uh, but you should know I am also a civil rights historian by training and a law professor uh, by, by, by career and profession. And so those two roles, as well as being 
being uh, the dean of the law school definitely color my remarks and what I, what I think about this event. Um, so think about what I wanted to say today. I started by thinking about last fall and the commemoration that occurred also in this room for Gregory Swanson. And I started to think about, well, what is a commemoration and, and what does it do and, and what is a historical marker and what does a historical marker do? And part of a commemoration is celebration. And, and, and I think that's a really important part of what commemorating is. And we are absolutely, definitely here to celebrate, right? We are here to celebrate Gregory Swanson, to celebrate the courage and bravery of a young man just starting off his career who interrupts the setting up of his legal practice to come to the University of Virginia, to put himself on the line, to spend a year in some discomfort uh, for a cause, for a legal principle, a legal and constitutional uh, principle, uh, and, and for, for the nation, I, I think, for the nation as a whole. We're also here, as Jim reminds us, to celebrate all the other lawyers who made it happen, uh, especially lawyers like Thurgood Marshall, uh, Oliver Hill, Spotswood Robinson. We think about the civil rights movement often as being about Topeka, Kansas, or maybe about Richmond. We've known about some aspects of the Charlottesville civil rights movement for a long time, uh, but this is one that I think has been underappreciated, and so I think it's really important that Charlottesville take its rightful place and the University of Virginia take its rightful place in the history of civil rights in this country. Um, for me, as the law school dean, it's also an opportunity, as Jim points out, to celebrate the role of the law school. Uh, the law school did want to admit Gregory Swanson. Uh, Mortimer Kaplan was a really key part of that, and I think that's cause for pride, uh, for pride in my faculty then and for continuing pride uh, in my faculty uh, today. But and I will add this, this is not in my prepared remarks, but I will say, I can't tell you how I celebrate the existence of the papers. Can you hold them up again? The existence of the papers so that we can all know more about this story. And um, my colleague, Gordon Hilton, who I know is here, and the law librarian, um, you can raise your hand, and, and the law librarian, Taylor Fitchett, who's also here. Um, we have been, they have been doing research into the case and trying to figure out, there's still so much we don't know, and, uh, and and they're trying to figure out all the ins and outs and the idea that there are public papers that will be available to anyone who wants to know more about this history when they read the plaque is really, really heartening uh, to, to a historian. Uh, so, but, but I don't think commemoration is only celebration. There's something more sober about a commemoration. There's something more reflective and more contemplative about a commemoration. The history we're marking is the history of overcoming, but that means that there was something to overcome. Uh, and so that means that the history we mark uh, also requires thinking about regret and thinking about acknowledgement and thinking about a past that isn't always comfortable uh, to think about um, and, and, and thinking about the forgetting of this history. So, a 14-year member of the law school faculty who studies history, the history of the civil rights movement, who is a student of Thurgood Marshall, who held the Thurgood Marshall Distinguished Professorship for several years, I had not heard of Gregory Swanson before last October. And I really only came across the commemoration by accident. And that, uh, that chagrins me. Uh, and so, in a way, you've already done your job, and this has already done its job. There are multiple um, faculty from the law school here today. Uh, I think this is a continuing conversation, uh, and I 
think the recovery of this history uh, is just so important, and I am determined to, going forward, be a part of this movement to recover this history and to continue to learn from it. So that's commemoration. Then you have the historical marker itself, which I confess I, I was tempted to take a peek at so I could know what it said before my remarks, but I do not know what it says. Um, but just as the idea of what a commemoration does is complicated, so too, I think, is what a historical marker does. It plays a lot of roles. Uh, it, too, celebrates. It, too, reminds us of our past failings. It provides us an opportunity for dialogue. It urges us to do better in the future. It is the concrete living instantiation of the commemoration that occurs uh, in this room that will ensure that another forgetting does not happen. But it, the marker can't do that by itself. And, and, and I don't think we want to be lazy and say, well, now that the marker is up, our job is done. I don't think that's true. The marker requires people to continue talking about it, to continue bringing attention to it. I won't make you raise the papers again, but to go look for the papers and have them available um, uh, so that people can encounter it uh, in the future. So I think that this commemoration and this historical marker and this historical occasion uh, does three things for us to take to the future. First, it educates. Right? It tells this important story, uh, and it urges us to find out more about it. Second, uh, and this is a theme that's already um, uh, been touched upon, it brings us together. You look around the room at all the different people, organization, groups who have come together within the university. I, I feel very proud that this isn't just about the integration of the University Law School. This is the first African-American student at the university all told. Uh, and I, I find it a point of pride that that person was in the law school. It's not a coincidence, the historian in me says. It was a, a strategy, a very smart strategy of the NAACP to try to integrate graduate and professional schools first. And law schools were particularly successful because judges knew what law schools uh, were like. And yet still, I think it is an important thing that it was the lawyers, as Jim said, uh, uh, who were the ones who did this. In addition, the local NAACP, the African American community, the bar representatives of our local governments and the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, and we come together and we create new dialogue, we create common ground, and we create trust for the future. And third, and finally, what I think the commemoration and the marker uh, do is inspire us. So Gregory Swanson, I think, provides us a model for the future in two senses. First, as a whole person. He exemplifies the very best of what it means to be a UVA lawyer, both then and now. The ideal of putting oneself on the line for one's beliefs. The ideal of the citizen lawyer. So the first case Gregory Swanson took uh, after his graduate work at UVA was defending uh, someone who was charged uh, with rape in Charlottesville. Uh, and in fact, one of the lawyers for the university is the person who uh, helped swear him in uh, and get him uh, sworn into the bar here so that he could defend that person. So people contain multitudes, right? Um, uh, he later, as Jim said, worked for Mortimer Kaplan in public service, working for uh, the IRS. He was a leader in the Unitarian Church in Washington, D.C., where he later made his home. So his career really exemplifies a person of integrity, of service, and of leadership. And it also exemplifies, as Jordan mentioned earlier, the 
aspiration, and I think we get closer and closer to that aspiration of a diverse and integrated and inclusive community within the university as a whole and within the law school, and Gregory Swanson started us on that path, and we continue down it today. Finally, uh, I think not only Gregory Swanson, but this whole historical episode serves as a model for the future that change is possible, that people take responsibility for change, and especially lawyers take responsibility for change, that lawyers hold the public trust in their hands, and they are capable of doing things that are momentous, like this case and the integration of Gregory Swanson into UVA Law School and the University of Virginia. And so the biggest lesson I take is our responsibility to educate, in my law school dean hat, is our responsibility to educate our students about both their potential and their responsibility to make change in the world and to allow Gregory Swanson, this plaque, our commemoration, to inspire us and to inspire generations to come. Thank you. It's my pleasure to introduce Dr. M. Rick Turner, who is the president of the Almore Charlottesville NAACP. Dr. Turner. Thank you for the invitation. You know, I think I will be somewhat remiss if I didn't mention that institutions of higher education and particularly elite institutions like the University of Virginia, um, have a problem sometime in celebrating and recognizing African Americans. Um, I've been thinking about this day for a long time, and I've been thinking about you, the architect of all this, Evans, the nephew of Gregory Swanson. And he doesn't consider himself a, a politician, but he is a politician. You know, he, he, he brought together a, a, a committee of folks to celebrate and honor his uncle. So if it wasn't for him, and he'll talk about that, if it wasn't for him, uh, we wouldn't be assembled here tonight, today. And so I, I, I thank you for, 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 your, for your courage. I thank you for your, your, your confidence. I thank you for, uh, for being who you are. Uh, so thank you. You know, as we... As we celebrate the legacy of Gregory Swanson and a significant, a significant chapter in the history of the University of Virginia, let us, let us not forget and also recognize and celebrate the triumphant legacy of the NAACP. Because if it wasn't for the NAACP in 1950, Gregory would not have the legal counsel and the moral support. So when we talk about the NAACP, the oldest, most revered civil rights organization in America. So I thank the NAACP 
And I thank you for being here today. Thank you. I'm told this is when we're going to unveil the uh, marker. wondering why is a delegate from Richmond here um, and I'm here for a couple of reasons uh, one uh, I am chair of the Commonwealth's uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Commission and we've taken it on to not only uh, undertake programming to ensure that Dr. King's vision uh, lives on but but we have become the organization that helps to commemorate uh, moments of I'll say Virginia history uh, that particularly helped advance um, African Americans. But I emphasize it is Virginia history, it is not African American history. Um, and some of the things we commemorate include uh, events like this. Um, but one of the other things that we do at the General Assembly, in addition to the laws that we pass, the commissions that we have, is adopt resolutions uh, commemorating uh, significant events and individuals in Virginia history. And so I'm here to present and we'll read a little bit of that. But before I do, I just want to say that I'm also here personally as a beneficiary of Mr. Swanson. 44 years after this court case was heard, I entered the University of Virginia Law School as a student. And as someone who will be 44 years old in December, I know that is not a long time. Um, I had a much uh, easier time, I think, than Mr. Swan. I know than Mr. Swanson did, but I personally have benefited professionally, 
um, I would not be where I am today had he not had the courage to stand up in this courtroom and walk through the doors of that law school and, under, and, and face what he faced so that I could become a lawyer today. And I am personally very grateful for that. Um, I also can't help but I've been thinking a lot about the arc of history this week in particular, uh, the past couple of weeks in particular, and how um, you cannot help but admit and acknowledge we have come a long way. But much of the anger that you have seen, much of the conflict that you have seen, has been, I think, in part because we don't take time to reflect on our history and how it has influenced the present. And that the importance of history is to do that. Any family that fights knows the first step to healing is recognizing what led to that fight. And part of that is recognizing where we have made mistakes in the past and how they have influenced our future. And I can't help but reflect, um, I read uh, a few days ago Dr. King's sermon, uh, Love Thy Enemies, and it could have been written, he could have given that speech yesterday. It still resonates today. And I think the more that we can understand, go back and reflect what happened 40, 50, 60, 100 years ago, it will help us to learn how to come together as a community today and move forward. So with that, I want to read just brief. I won't read the whole thing um, because you all have copies of, of the resolution. But whereas in 1950, Gregory Haynes Swanson, a 26-year-old Danville native with a law practice in Martinsville, set a legal precedent by instituting a lawsuit against the Board of Visitors of the University of Virginia for admission to the School of Law and by entering same on September 15, 1950, became the first African American to desegregate the formerly all-white university in Virginia, opening the door for thousands of students who followed. And whereas Gregory Swanson had previously been forced to go out of state to attend Howard University School of Law because the state of Virginia had no law schools that allowed African Americans to attend. And whereas after obtaining a law degree from Howard University, Gregory Swanson worked in association with the esteemed Richmond civil rights firm of Hill, Robinson, and Martin, which was notable for at one time having more civil rights cases than any other in the South. Actually, I'm going to read the whole thing, because why not? <laughs> and whereas in an attempt to forestall desegregation of the University of Virginia and other institutions of higher learning, and after the highly publicized application of Alice Jackson, to attend UVA in 1935, the Virginia General Assembly passed the Dovel Act in 1936, which gave supplemental financial payments towards tuition to African Americans, postgraduate scholars, to induce them to attend colleges and universities out of state. And whereas Gregory Swanson, in the tradition of his civil rights mentors, refused such a scholarship to pursue a graduate degree outside of the Commonwealth. Upon being denied admission to enter a master's program at the UVA School of Law by the Board of Visitors, and in furtherance of the civil rights strategy of breaking down legal barriers to higher education, Gregory Swanson filed suit and did bring such lawsuits to federal hearing in Charlottesville on September 5, 1950. And whereas Swanson v. Rector of Visitors was a nationally publicized landmark <coughs> case, with Gregory Swanson presented by NAACP attorneys Thurgood Marshall, Oliver Hill, Spotswood Robinson, Martin A. Martin, and others, with Gregory Swanson and said legal team prevailing and furthering the cause of justice. And whereas upon winning a unanimous decision of a three-judge panel, Gregory Swanson sacrificed his law practice 
to complete a year of study at UVA while being forced to live off campus at personal and family expense because of housing segregation laws, all the while enduring legal discrimination and social ostracism with restrictions at football games, campus socials, etc. And whereas the Swanson case has been cited as bringing about the desegregation of other previously all-white <coughs> institutions in Virginia, including the College of William and Mary, and whereas Gregory Swanson died on July 26, 1992, after years of service as a member of the Virginia Bar and as attorney with the Internal Revenue Service without ever receiving any official recognition from the University of Virginia or from the Commonwealth of Virginia. And whereas Gregory Swanson's contribution to the Commonwealth was almost lost to history for 65 years until the recent recognition by the Swanson case commemoration held on October 25th, 2015 at the Jefferson Madison Regional Library Central Branch in, Sar in Charlottesville in the actual former federal courthouse where Gregory Swanson made history. The commemoration was sponsored by the Swanson Legacy Committee comprised of, comprising of Charlottesville community leaders and chaired by Gregory Swanson's nephew, Evans Hopkins, with the generous support of UVA and the UVA School of Law. Now therefore be it resolved by the House of Delegates, the Senate concurrent, that the General Assembly hereby commemorate the life and legacy of Gregory Haynes Swanson, a civil rights pioneer and an inspiration to the citizens of the Commonwealth and the United States. This is over 50 years late, but better late than never. So Evans, come on up here. Association has done here. Um, it's, it's just a momentous thing, you know. This is this is cultural justice, you know. This is in the place of justice. This is this is poetic justice as well, in the place that where the ruling came down, where uh, Swanson and the NAACP fought so hard to get into UVA for the first time, something that hadn't been done before. Uh, I'd like to thank the Bar Association. I'd like to get my thank yous out of the way before I, I break <laughs> up a, a little bit, you know. Uh, I really would like to thank uh, Delegate McClellan, 
Uh, you know, she worked very hard to get this through through the legislature. This was sort of uh, a momentous thing. I know they do it a lot, but you know, in this was recognized the, the double act, which actually sent the uh, black scholars out of state. It was almost like a banishment. It was what I call the passive resistance before the massive resistance. Okay, we'll get them out of the way. We'll give them some money, send them out of state. Maybe they won't sue. And it all came about because Alice Jackson applied to come to the University of, of Virginia in 1935. The Double Act was their reaction to this. So her name needs to be mentioned along with Gregory Swanson. Um, I'd like to thank the members of the Swanson Legacy Committee. You've met um, Jim Hingley, his tireless work to get this done. I mean, he is really a gentle, modest giant in, in, in the uh, Charlottesville community. Uh, my friend, M. Rick Turner, the friendship that has been extended to me by other members of the committee, including John Halliday, the uh, most gracious host, um, uh, his uh, deputy here, Krista, uh, Charlene um, Green, Emma Edmonds, I hope Emma's here. I, oh, here she is. And, uh, and uh, I, I want to also thank those who uh, took part in co-sponsoring the commending resolution with, um, with Jennifer. <laughs> And that's uh, Delegate Toscano. Uh, I'd like to recognize De uh, Jennifer's assistant, Abby Phillips, who's here today. I've never met Abby. Where is she? Hi, Abby. <laughs> We've talked so much on the phone. Uh, also, uh, Dolores McQuinn, who was also a co-sponsor. And I think um, um, Craig Deeds was involved as well. You know, I'd like to thank Dean uh, Golubuff for her uh, inspiring talk, very, um, very deep, you know, very deep. So uh, we will be talking, and uh, she has agreed to work with the Swanson Legacy Committee in making sure that the Swanson um, story is told more. As I said, this is poetic justice. This is also cultural justice. And I love the way that the community has embraced this story. It is part of the power of story. We held a great commemoration. Many of you were here last year. We're going to hold another at the end of the month. Uh, at the, I'm sorry, at the end of September or, or early October. Uh, we have decided to invite the governor because of his work in extending civil rights to 200,000 men and women uh, who heretofore had not had civil rights in the state. In, in the state. And uh, we believe that he's worthy of recognition along with others. Uh, I had a 20-minute speech written, and then I was told I had five minutes, right? So, so yeah, I got to sift, sift through it a little bit. Tell, tell, tell an author and novelist to write something for five minutes and see what happens. <laughs> yes, but um, in any case, 
The only problem last year with the commemoration is that we only had one UVA student here. She was the chairman of the Black Student Alliance and she did come and she made a, gave a marvelous speech. But we were unable to engage those on campus. And if you were, go, were to go onto campus now and ask how many know who Gregory Swanson was or ask him who was the first black to, to attend the University of Virginia, you would draw a blank probably in 999 times out of a, out of a thousand. And so we have to work to do something about that. Just as this is cultural justice, it is in response to cultural injustice. And it is an injustice that our young people haven't been told what happened. Dr. Turner told uh, the gathering last year that, or told uh, the student who was here that young people need to find out what happened. But if we don't tell them, then we are remiss in doing that. So what I'm going to do I'm going to propose that we make a film. As a writer, as an artist, that's, that's sort of what I do. And I've been trying to conceptualize how this story can be encapsulated into a film. And so what I've come up with is the hero lawyers, Virginia's seven crucial civil rights cases, those which I call the Magnificent Seven. And we have a lot of lawyers here, and you've heard about many of these, but what are those seven? They go back to Austin versus Norfolk, which equalized pay for teachers, crucial in the civil rights fight, led by Oliver Hill. Then we had the Irene Morgan case. Many of you have heard of the Irene Morgan case. It was the first interstate travel case. It was the Rosa Parks case before, well, maybe some 10 years before Rosa Parks. Then we had, and all of these are Virginia cases, then we had the Swanson case, then we had the Davis case, which morphed into or became part of Brown versus the Board of Education. Then we had the Boykin case. Many of you may not know about that. That was another excuse me, interstate travel case dealing with the trailways of the Greyhound bus terminal in, um, in Richmond, Virginia. Then we had the Loving case. Many of you will hear much more about that, and that's an example of what art can do. That case is still being used. And then we have this case of Virginia Scott. Scott. Virginia Scott was the first woman co-ed to attend the University of Virginia. And I don't even know what the name of the case was and many of you may not know, but you do know that Virginia was once not co-ed. It was once a men's only university. But I bet if you go to the university right now and ask many of the students whether or not, or if they knew that Virginia was once all male and still sort of a bastion, or until recently a bastion of white privilege, white male privilege, they would tell you, no, I thought women could go here all the time. So the struggle continues. We have to 
we have to share these stories with our young people. And as uh, my uncle said, when some people tried to convince him not to sue to go to UVA, when they told him, when they refused to let him in, he said, no, justice starts right here. And that's what I want you to remember. We're going to do something about getting this story out. And justice starts right here. Thank you. So I um, started this as saying this was my first official act as president of the Bar Association and uh, that I was humbled uh, to be up here. And, and I, I have to say I've, I've been wowed uh, and frankly more humbled than I even believed I would be. Uh, I, I spoke to Jim uh, yesterday and I said, Jim, this really has been something from my perspective that you have been working on tirelessly for the last uh, 12 months at least that I know of and obviously Evans and others have worked very hard on and said, Jim, what do you want me to say to conclude the program? How in the world am I going to get up after all of these speakers? And he said, well, why don't you have a moment and reflect on what this all means to you in light of what you heard during the previous 30 or 45 minutes? And what I'd like to do is take maybe 30 or 45 seconds. It's the lawyer joke, Evans. If I'd had more time, I'd have written a shorter brief, right? So... Um, <laughs> This is a challenging time in our community. There's a lot of discord. You don't have to go very far to open the Daily Progress or read one of the weekly periodicals or go to uh, some online publication. We can certainly talk about it at a national level. But what amazes me and what inspires me and what incenses me uh, in a positive way after being here today is that there's an opportunity for real change. There's an opportunity for real listening. There's an opportunity for real engagement and when there is diversity of opinion there is an opportunity for a greater texture a greater fabric and a greater community and I think that's something that we can all be proud of not that we don't remember the challenges in the past and the injustice not that we focus solely on the celebration but that in those struggles there's an opportunity for a greatness an opportunity for a gain that can be shared in by all involved so thank you for coming today it's been the Charlottesville Moore Bar Association's great pleasure to host this event, this dedication, and we'd invite you all to stay as long as you like to enjoy refreshments as long as they last. Thank you. Thank you.